Hi, everyone. This is Charting Queer Health, a podcast at the intersection of queer culture, healthcare, and research. On behalf of Howard Brown Health in Chicago, as always, I'm your host, Matt Lesky. I identify as a cis, white, gay man. I'm a Chicago resident, but most importantly, I have the incredible opportunity to sit down with various experts across our organization and across our community to learn from their expertise, amplify their stories and voices, and advance the conversation surrounding queer healthcare. Joining us on the show today is Chloe Coulet. Um, what, what titles do you prefer? Because uh, I saw that famous yeah. clip of like, <laughs> RuPaul was like, Drag queen, I'm the queen of drag. And some people are like, I'm an artist, I'm a performer. I'm a, uh-huh. what titles do you prefer? Um, out of drag, I would say he, him, mm-hmm. like it's whatever. Like we're so used to calling each other she. Right. Like, you know, whatever. So it, it doesn't bother me. Just as long as it's in drag, it's she, yeah. her, like the, preserve the fantasy. Preserve okay? the fantasy. And, and <laughs> but, you would yes. consider yourself by title a drag queen. Yes. Okay. And I honestly, I think, and it's the first time I'm probably saying this out loud, but I think I'm like, the last cisgender drag queen that exists, you know? Yeah, that is an interesting um, development. And we'll kind of mm-hmm. dive into that later in the podcast of, like, yes. of drag and gender expression and everything. But I kind of wanted this episode to be just a, a 101 on drag and kind of diving into some of the issues that don't really get um, uh, talked about a ton. Because uh, yeah. drag, when, when you're on stage, you're not sitting down in this capacity and chatting with people generally um, about about these bigger issues. So mm-hmm. um, I'm, we're going to kind of take this time to dive into uh, gender expression and some of the new like anti-drag laws that are coming out and mm-hmm. how, you know, you cope with kind of having split identities in a way and, yeah. and, and how that all works. So um, I appreciate you taking the time and, and we'll just kind of uh, dive right in. Um, how did you get started with drag and how long have you been doing it? Um, okay, so my mom, my, like, biological mom is the one who got me, like, into drag. Really? Um, she showed me the first ever episode of, um, RuPaul's Drag Race, and from then on, I was like, okay, I like this, I want to do this, and then, you know, lo and behold, here I am. So that's how I really, like, found out about it, because... I mean, let's face it. We as gay kids, we all put our towels on our head like hair. We all, like, wrap a towel around us like it's a dress. So it's like we do drag. We just don't know what it is. Yeah. You know? So once I found out what it is, I was like, oh, this is what I'm doing. Okay, I can do that. It's really cool. Um, and then I've been doing it since 2018. So, you know, here I am. Yeah. Long, long few years. Yeah. So 2018 was your first, like, gig, so to speak. Uh, uh, yeah. Ish. I did. I, I did a... I, I, um, what so what it? constitutes, oh. like, doing? Yeah. yeah, I started off doing a competition at Berlin called Crash Landing. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, the first time I was like, okay, I'm going to do it and really take it seriously. And, like, lucky for me, after the competition ended, I was immediately being booked. Wow. So, you know, some girls, they have to do a few before they get there. But, like, me, I was lucky enough to, like start immediately after the competition and just go from there yeah i mean if anybody's seen you perform that's not hard to believe oh my god um what how did how do you how did you choose your drag name well okay so back in the day i was catfishing i was like alina i was paris um ari for short and i remember telling my uh was it my math teacher um, if I was a girl, I would be like one of the names I use. And she's like, no, you would be a Chloe. And so the Kardashians had just came out. Yeah. So I went with Chloe with a K. Yeah. And that's how Chloe was born. Love and that. then Kool-Aid, well, we know where Kool-Aid comes from. The famous Shea Kool-Aid. So I was going to say, Shea Kool-Aid, for those listening that are unaware, Shea Kool-Aid is your drag mother. Yes. How do, how do, um, and I've always wondered this, how do like 
drag relationships like that get established and it, it, it mm-hmm. could because it's it is like a kind of a formal title and it's yeah. an established thing is that like do you have to be invited to be someone's drag daughter do you ask do you like how do how does that all happen or is it just um, kind of a thing it's well for us it she definitely kind of like took me under her wing mm-hmm. in such a funny way honestly um because i have a drag daughter as well so i think it's all based in two things it's either the relationship you have with someone is just naturally a mentorship like with me and my drag daughter we have been friends for years and then she got into drag and i noticed i kind of naturally coached her mm-hmm. so it was like okay you're basically my child uh but for shay i think that um she saw something in me and was like i kind of want to take her under my wing and kind of like mold her and get to know her as I go along. And, you know, we've became so close over the years. So that's really what it is. So she kind of took me under her wing and then we got to know each other after that. So, yeah, that's, that's cool that, it, that they kind of develop naturally. And it's, yeah, yeah it, it did. That, that system of like mentorship, um, do you think it's possible for somebody to, to break into the drag scene without uh, a drag family? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's a, ton of drag queens as you can name who don't have drag families who are iconic i mean let's start with lucy stool you know Um, what i'm saying like everybody knows lucy stool mm um i mean the list goes on like i can just keep going you know exo carrington miss toto um so many people alasia like there's a ton of people they we've all kind of had like mentors growing up but i think in terms of like families here in the city there's a lot of people who've built themselves from the ground up yeah and it's Super admirable, and yeah, that list does go on because after, mm-hmm. as soon as I asked it, I was like, "Wait, there's a long list." And there's a very people. long list. Um, yeah. Drag is so unique to me in that uh, it means so many different things to so many people, and that's kind of why I asked you what you like to be referred to as, as far as like a performer or a dancer or you know a drag artist, because uh, depending on who's performing, drag looks different for everybody yeah so for you when you step foot on a stage obviously i've seen you perform but not everybody listening might have what uh what is your drag like what do you set out to do when when you're performing oh well you know i feel like i have a much more simpler uh way to explain it back then or back then i would just say like oh you know i'm this girl from california who you know went to van nuys she grew up there and then she moved to culver city um you know it was this whole thing you know what i mean but now i guess the real simple way to explain it is that like i would describe myself as an instagram beauty guru but like with or influencer let's say Mm -hmm. that an influencer um but with more talents to them than just being you know right one dimensional like i like to be funny i like to host that's honestly most fun thing that i could ever do is like get on the mic and just host yeah um but then i also like to dance so like a lot of people they see me and they see like oh she's pretty but then like the moment the beat drops it's like oh wait hold on (laughs) there's more here and then i get on the mic and it's like wait there's even more yeah it's like layers yeah to me it's the it's the multifaceted thing so you're it sounds like at the end of the day, uh, whatever performance in whatever venue, you just want to make sure people are having a good time. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and you succeed at that from the places Thank I've you. seen you perform. Did you did you always envision drag as your future? I know you said you were interested yeah. in it early on, but I mean, there's maybe, maybe now more currently, there's kids that start out and say, I'm going to be a drag queen from, yeah. you know, when they're little onwards, but... For for people our age, that really wasn't an option early on. Did you always yeah. envision this at your, as your future? And once you decided that, uh, did you receive like any like pushback or like skepticism from people? Like, are you sure you want to do this? You know, no. I mean, 
getting into drag is almost like people who got into stripping. We didn't see it coming, but it came to us. We realized we were natural at it, and yeah. it happens. The same thing with drag. I mean, it's like I said before, I have been playing in drag. I just never knew what it was called. I never yeah. knew it can be a career. And then after seeing Drag Race, I realized, like, oh, you can make something of this. And so that's when I, you know, put the pedal to the metal and realized, like, wow, I'm actually doing something with my life and being creative and yeah. getting paid to do that, you know, which is a dream job. Yeah, absolutely. It does seem, you know, when you're going through schooling and stuff, they always say like, find the thing you love to do and then find a way yeah. to get paid for it. And oh, it seems like drag is the combination of those two things yeah. for you. Um, have you ever had any second thoughts or worries? I know from Queens, I've seen that I've been established in the industry a long time. Uh, and even just in, the gay world in general age is very uh and like longevity is uh, yeah. a concern obviously yeah. you uh, not saying anything that you, you know you <laughs> should be worried because obviously i you know you have a long trajectory ahead of you but ha has that ever crossed your mind of like this is what i want to do forever age be damned or is it like you know I'm oh, absolutely. Gonna... I want to ride it so the wheels fall off aka yeah. so the casket comes like you know <laughs> comes flying in i yeah. think that i i did look at my future and I did look and see like how I want to progress mm -hmm. past where I'm at now. Like my insurance plan is hosting. Like yeah. whether God forbid something happens to yeah. me, you can always pick up a mic and talk. Like you can have no feet, no True. arms, no legs. True. Okay. At the end of the day, as long as you have a mouth, you have a mic, you know what you're doing. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I want to move more into in the future. And I think that's my insurance plan. But other than that, I think that I'm just riding as the wheels fall off, like yeah. doing shows, performing, doing music we absolutely love to perform and go from there. But it's something that I definitely see till I get older. It's fun. Like yeah. I'm literally paid to dress up and talk shit. <laughs> like who doesn't who doesn't want to like have that as a yeah. your, like lifelong job? Yeah, so, you really take it. Yeah, I love that. it. In terms of um gender expression we you kind of mentioned at the beginning that you feel like one of the last uh cisgender yes. drag queens out there and that's something we've seen um it especially struck me on the rupaul's um uk versus the world i think blue hydrangea said something along the lines mm -hmm. of when you're kind of embodying a different gender identity and receiving all this validation in that gender identity it does make you question like wait a second is this something that i want to embody all the time or yeah. or not and obviously you're cisgender but what is it like embodying both and kind of switching back and forth and how do you like balance it because i feel like you would mm -hmm. feel a little bit like you kind of have a foot in both worlds but it's mm. i mean i'll be real with you um the thing is when i started doing drag before that especially being a, a feminine gay kid growing up Every time you would run into someone, it's always, do you want to be a girl? Do you want to be a girl? Mm -hmm. So I definitely had that, like, moment in my life where I thought about it. Like, do I want to be a girl? Like, do I want to transition? But, you know, like, that's not an easy thing. It's not cheap. Yeah. It's therapy. It's yeah. a lot that goes into transitioning. You know, it's not mm -hmm. the snap of a finger. So it took a minute to love myself as a gay man. And, and then when drag came along, 
I felt like I got to have that outlet to express myself the way if I was a girl that this is what I would do. This is what I would be. This is what I would perform. This is how I would act. And then, you know, I would have the luxury of being able to take it all off because let's face it, drag is beautiful. Drag is great. But it's a lot of fucking work. Okay. Like you got to glue your wig on. You got to put the nails on. You got to tuck. It's a lot of work. And I, I just, I couldn't see myself doing that on a daily basis. Like, you know, I enjoy, you know, I mean, excuse me if I'm being too, you know, graphic here, but I enjoy having a dick. I enjoy yeah. like letting it hang out at the end of the night. And I enjoy just like relaxing and being a dude a little bit. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Uh, so I think that that's when I realized like I enjoy drag for what it is. I enjoy that it's my job, but I also enjoy just being a boy. I just yeah. like relaxing, you know, yeah. and just enjoying the guy parts of, of life. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of the, the Miley Cyrus best of both worlds. Yes. Can, very, you know, that, get very the fantasy that. and all the fun involved with femininity. And then at the end of the day, you know, exactly. Take it off and, and yes. also get the perks of exactly. um, being a cisgender male. Mm-hmm. Is there, is there steps that you take to consciously try to avoid your world's bleeding together? Because I mean, I only ever know you as, as Chloe, mm-hmm. um, your boy name, like some Drag queens are like, you don't hear like mm-hmm. that part of them or that part of their life. Or like, yeah. I, I was in LA once and I saw Katya out of drag and I was in, she was just strolling the sidewalk. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it, like, is it appropriate to go up and ask her a photo of them out of drag? Like some queens mm-hmm. are very, you know, selective yeah. about that and preserving like one half of the fantasy and keeping another half private. Mm-hmm. Are you that way or are you, you know? Oh no, I think... For a lot of drag queens, our job is being social. Our mm-hmm. job is, you know, even when we're out of drag, we're still working. Like, yeah. I go to parties and there's people who know me as Chloe. And so I'm going to hear Chloe even when I'm out of drag. So it's like even when I leave the house, I'm still in the brain of Chloe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's something I'm used to. It doesn't bother me. I think that it's like something I'm even struggling with today, still to this day. I mean, I've gotten... A better hold on it but it, it's very hard because Aaron which is you know my actual name it, it's still trying to give him his his you know his moment it's trying his, to give yeah. him his you know um space in life because like my room now like I cannot wait to move and get a bigger room but like it's so hard trying to exist as two people in one room um let alone like in this world in general you know it's hard to go out there and really like make a name for yourself that isn't tied to your drag persona. So it's like, it's a lot, you know, because then it bleeds into your dating life. It bleeds into yeah. this. It, it's really hard. It's something that I'm still struggling with to this day. Um, because when you talk to guys, they know you as Chloe. They know you as yeah. that persona. And it's really hard to get them to know you past that. Yeah. You know, so it's it's hard. It's something I'm still struggling with today. But I mean, I feel like I got a hold at least on most of it. Yeah. Now. You know, at least people are now are asking, oh, can I ask you your real name? It's okay. You can ask me, you know. Yeah. Long as in drag, you're calling me Chloe. That's fine. Other right. than that, I'm open to, you know, other Expressing things. the other half, yes. of, half of yourself. Completely. And I, I, I guess, encourage it. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's where that joke of like drag queens having massive closets is. Not only because you have lots of outfits, but you're also yeah. having to have room for the other half of your identity. Yeah. And you, you know, you need a separate room for that separate part of yourself and exactly. all the wardrobe and stuff that goes along with it. Um, 
So that's an interesting, interesting take. I saw, uh, I think a photo from last night, one of my friends was in town from New York City and he tagged you and Shay um, and Shay was out of drag. And I was like, I think this is the first photo I've seen uh, of, you know, Shay out of drag. So yeah. uh, it is, it is interesting kind of that always on mentality though, that you always. have to have. Always. Uh, because your, your brand and your income is built around your personality and, exactly. and your, you know, ability to take a selfie there and, you know, have fun with that person there and be the life yeah. of the party. Does it's, that ever get tiring? Especially living in this area. I walk yeah. out the houses. Hey, Chloe. And I'm like, shit. I see you're, you're two blocks from where you perform. Yes. So uh, it, like, or do you ever have that feeling like, just don't talk to me. I don't want to do this today. Uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, I mean, I enjoy being social. Yeah. I, I love that aspect. I think you wouldn't be in the industry if you didn't. Oh, but. absolutely. I mean, some girls, believe it or not, they're not really good at it. Yeah. So it's just like, do you realize this is like 90% of the job? Like yeah. performing is one thing. Looking great is another. But like that connection you make with people is really the heart and soul of what makes a performer really progress. And so there are times where I'm like, I'm not leaving this house. I don't want to see nobody. If I go somewhere, my hat is very low. Like I'm very incognito. Like, do not talk to me. And my disguise, cut the sunglasses, cut the hat. It should be obvious. Yes. Like literally I went to eat the other day and somebody was like, why are you in here with your shades on? I'm like, I don't think you realize. (laughs) Like I have no makeup on. I don't want to be seen. (laughs) Well, that's why I asked when I set the camera because I was like, is this okay? Would you rather keep it incognito? Oh, no, it's fine. Um, I, yeah, that's, I I have a similar personality and then obviously I love talking with people and learning mm-hmm. about stuff, but I think there would reach a point where I was like, let's not. So it's good that you can kind of find ways to oh, be out and about and uh, keep it low key. Mm. Kind of uh, pivoting into a more um, current events uh, subject matter uh, there's been a lot of legislation recently, not a lot, um, more than there should be legislation recently about um, drag yeah. as far as um, if if drag is family friendly or appropriate. Obviously, you know, drag is appropriate and important, mm-hmm. but there is the, the discussion of like, is drag family friendly? Can it be family friendly? Uh, and if so, what does that look like? It's kind of an extension of like the no can get pride discourse of like, yeah. Uh, queer culture being palatable uh and it's it's a conversation that i've had with a lot of different guests i see that episode yeah and it's it's interesting and i wanted to get your take as far as the drag community because drag queens are uh, you know they like to push the envelope and you know like you said talk shit for a living so you know how, how does that does that ever cross your mind that like i you know kids aren't welcome here or I want kids to be welcome here or how does that like look I will say this um the only place where I will advocate that we need to fix the care problem is on flights okay mm-hmm. like <laughs> like the, oh my god children on planes it, it's a lot to handle oh, yeah. however when it comes to ch- uh, children at drag shows I'm Honestly, I'm all for it. Like, it's such a beautiful thing to do some shows and to see kids having a good time and tipping. Like, I just did Miss Summerfest, and there were, like, a ton of kids there. They were tipping. They were having a good time. And honestly, long as they're having a good time, who are we to judge? And, like, who are we to, like, tell them that? No, you're not supposed to be here. Like, I just think it's, you know, really shitty that the world is moving in a direction where... You know, people are trying to tell us how to live and express ourselves and that, you know, 
other families and kids coming up in this world, how they should, you know, parent and teach their kids. It's like, that's not fair. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have your own life to live. We're not out there judging you. So why are you judging us and telling us how to live? Right. I think it's shitty. But I... Have no problem with kids yeah. being at drag shows. I think it's beautiful. Yeah, it it um, people always use the argument like, oh, drag queens want to convert our kids, or they'll they'll you know things like that. And um, I, the episode I had about Pride with Tracy Bame, she was like, you know, if your kid, even if you your kid grows up to be you know cisgender, or whatever, mm. straight, if they see somebody expressing themselves in an authentic way in a positive yeah. way, that's still positive for them because. Even if, you know, like I said, they're cis straight, they get the message like, hey, I can be whatever kind of cis straight man I want to be. Yeah. Uh, and there's no none of that toxic masculinity and all those issues that, you know, plague people growing up. Um, exactly. And so, you know, it's not converting, but it's just showing kids that they can live whatever life they want yeah, to. Uh, so, there's nothing wrong with having options on how to live your life. Right. You know, and I always say, or I heard this somewhere and it always stuck with me that ignorance is not something that you're born with, it's something you're taught. Mm. And when you look at kids just having a good time, it's like, why teach them to hate something that they're enjoying? Yeah. You know, so if they want to come to a show and they want to give me a $5 bill, oh, by, by all means, baby, please. Please come through. I take money in all forms, okay, right? from anybody. I love that. I love that. Have you? Um, I've seen videos from a lot of like local Chicago places and just like in general on the internet of of kids just like mm-hmm. living in their life. And when you think about it, like how different is a drag queen from a Disney princess at Disney? Oh, exactly. It's the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. You're you're putting on a wig and makeup and pretending to be a character, and just because one might be a boy underneath and one might be a girl doesn't make it any different. Mm-hmm. We don't know who walking around as Minnie Mouse. That could be anybody. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's actually scarier to be honest. That could be anybody. So there's. Yeah, uh, that's and because people will hold up Disney all day long as like the perfect, you know, Midwest mm-hmm. dream to or like cisgender dream to like go explore Disney World and meet all the princesses. But like, take them to a drag club; they'll meet a bunch of queens there. Like, I don't know. Well, and, take them to a brunch. I don't know if they should be. Oh no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> say not a drag club, <laughs> like, oh, but yeah, club. definitely a, a brunch. You know, we're down for that. Yeah. Along these same lines, historically, drag queens have been kind of at the forefront of queer liberation movements and their social thought leaders. And a lot of people look to to queens to set the tone um, on a lot of queer issues. And a lot of I know, like being active on Twitter and Instagram and stuff is is also part of the job of like having those discussions. Have you felt (laughs) that pressure to like weigh in on stuff or be a thought leader? Is that like is activism something that, you know, you're conscious of or is it just sort of goes along with it? Yeah, I think it. It's like one of those things where, like, celebrities who are in the spotlight, it's like, they don't have to say anything. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those, like, unspoken things that kind of come with the job sometimes. Very much so, like, during the Black Lives Matter movement. You know what I'm saying? Like, for, for Black people, we didn't necessarily have to speak out. You know what I'm saying? It's not our job to educate people Mm -hmm. who should already know fucking better. Yeah. But, you know, it's it is something you want to speak up and say something about. So it's like during certain times, like especially during right now, where drag is definitely under attack. Um, 
I'm very much like I pick and choose my battles. Yeah. Um, if I don't say anything, it doesn't mean that I don't care. It's just that sometimes I'm just, I'm tired. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, like I said about the Black Lives Matter thing where it's like, you guys should know better. I shouldn't have to sit here and educate you. Oh, I shouldn't absolutely. have to waste my time, my characters and my breath to tell you things that you should already know yeah. or that I would figure that you would kind of go and do the knowledge yourself. Yeah. So when it comes to like social issues right now in terms of like drag being under attack, I think it's very self-explanatory me being a drag queen how I feel about these things. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I every now and then depending on the moment and the time, I will say something, but also I think me just being a drag queen enough should tell you <laughs> that how I feel about that, but also the people who know me, I'm a very big advocate of just rights in general. You know, if mm -hmm. you come to my shows, I will fully scream on a mic that Black History Month is every month, okay? Yeah. LGBTQ, like, rights and pride, that's every fucking month. Don't just look to support people and donate to charities and, you know, so on and so forth for just one time or right. one month at any time uh, of the year. Yeah. You know, so I'm like that 24-7. I don't need to tell you online. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, being a drag queen in and of itself is, mm -hmm. uh, you know, advancing the rights of other queer people exactly. you know you expressing yourself is a form of activism exactly. so you you i think it's very smart that you like you said pick and choose your battles because you don't have no, nobody has the energy to come to you know the table on every single topic and every single yeah. discussion and be you know uh, an advocate for every single cause because that's not mm -hmm. possible uh, and so one could argue probably doing the most good just by going out there and being your fabulous self uh, exactly. and showing that off so I love that take on it. Um, and I, I appreciate the, uh, you kind of segued nicely um, about the Black Lives Matter movement because um, a lot of people have observed and I've observed on things like drag race um, and in the drag community in general that uh, black queens don't always get mm -hmm. the what they're due uh, of, um, you know, r recognition and, and even on the show, just like mm -hmm. winning whatever. Have you felt that in any capacity in Chicago or have you, you know, noticed that in, in any way? Uh, or, or I guess what's your what's your take on, on people that would say that? Being in a drag scene for quite some time, I've seen the shift that it's been through. Um, I would say, had this been a few years ago, like before the pandemic, I would say that the white girls got it easy. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And the thing is, the white girls are always going to have it easy, regardless. But I think since, you know, we had the Black Drag Council happen and, like, that whole reckoning situation with City Hall, um, I think things have changed a lot since then. I definitely think, you know, the girls, especially, like, the girls of color and whatnot, have definitely gotten the praise they deserve, such as, like, my best friend, Abhijit, you know, who is a, um, she's an Indian queen. Um, she is beautiful. I like to call her the Bollywood Barbie. Yeah. Uh, she's amazing. Legs for days. And she's a queen who was responsible for bringing um, uh, Kim Petras to Berlin. She brought Lizzo to Berlin. She brought Megan Thee Stallion to Berlin. Wow. She curated so many, like, popping parties back in the day. Yet, for some reason, she was not on high platforms with everybody else. Yeah. And it didn't make any sense to me. Um, and you had other girls who were working their ass off, you know, who never really got their dues either. And then after we kind of took out the trash, I'll say that much, you know, the girls finally started getting, you know, the stages that they deserve. Yeah. So I think that 
now in Chicago, the girls who are working hard are definitely getting the recognition that they deserve. And I think that though that's happening now in Chicago, we still got to work hard. You know, Um, I think for me, people think because I have the last name Kool-Aid, it's easy. No, it's not. Mm. (laughs) It's, It's really not. I think people either expect you to have everything handed to you or they expect you to think that you already have everything and not give it to you. And it's like, no, I still have to work my ass off, mm-hmm. you know, not just because of my last name, but because at the end of the day, I'm still a black girl. I'm still a Mexican girl. I'm still mixed. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I have to work yeah. for what I have. And so it's a, it's a, it's a teetering scale yeah. with that, but you know, it's getting better. Yeah. It's definitely gotten better. And from all the different causes I've talked with people about, the the work is never done on anything. Oh, no. uh, we've yeah. made great strides in a lot of areas, but as we've seen with um, the government, things can always go backwards. Um, <laughs> so exactly, exactly. So you, you got to keep keep pushing. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned that things kind of got better during the pandemic with the Chicago uh, Black Drag Council. Can yeah. you dive into like a Reader's Digest version of what that is? Yeah. So um, we used to have a very very popular queen here. Um, which I mean, I'll say her name like fucker. Uh, her name was C Rex, and she was like, they called her the RuPaul of you know Chicago drag. Mm-hmm. Even though she was white, and she had her hand in every single thing, everything Roscoe's, Berlin, like anytime there was an event, there was a host. It was her. She was basically yeah. the face of Chicago and all she did was home. She never performed. So somehow she gatekeeped a lot of performers um, and had that power. And then there came a day where it was like, no, no, we're not going to allow this yeah. because, you know, she was honestly a very shitty person. You know what I mean? Like I'll never forget the moment where I had did a Saturday gig and I did a Sunday gig and I happened to wear one of the same outfits that I wore from last night. And though it was a completely different crowd, Mm -hmm. you know, different night, it was a brunch the next day. And she had a very snarky comment to say, and it was just like, uh, she said it to me personally uh, in the staircase, like, Oh, you're wearing that again, you know, or she would just say things to people that didn't make them feel very comfortable. Or she would treat people a certain way. She would definitely, you know, make the black girls work 10 times harder. And I think the nail in her coffin was when uh, we did a city council, a town hall moment where we all kind of said, the bars you're being held accountable. You need to not only pay more, but you need to treat us better. You know what I'm saying? And then we also had a moment with her as well. And then it was like, okay, you realize that in that moment, she didn't care. You know, she showed up drunk, (laughs) you know, and she didn't really care to make her show's better and more comfortable for, you know, black people as well as people of color. She didn't care to do that. And so that's why she was taken out. She was done, you know what I'm saying? And now that's why with her out of the way, there's more opportunities. And I think that had she not been taken out, I wouldn't have the opportunity to host as many shows that I do now. Um, We wouldn't have so many people who, like I said, who didn't have that platform before, they wouldn't be where they are now because she was taking up so much space. You know what I'm saying? But now that she's out of the way, you know, you see more people succeeding. Like Abhijit, who I, you know, mentioned before, she has one of the most successful um, all-Asian casted brunches that is happening right now at um, Furama in um, oh, yeah. Uptown. Yep. You know, and like, you wouldn't have been able to experience that because she was in the fucking way. So now that she's out of the way, we have more people um, in room 
to mm-hmm. speak up and to have their moments. I love so that. it's much better now. It's more fun. It's more friendly. Good. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it goes to show that it's always worth challenging convention. Oh, absolutely. Just because something is the way it's always been doesn't mean that it can't be different. It can't be better. Exactly. So I love that. Um, and, and it also goes to show that we're always stronger together. I mean, mm-hmm. one person alone couldn't have made those changes, but you said everybody came yeah. together and said, no, we need to, we need to do this. I wanted to ask a little bit because this is as drag continues to gain popularity and um, be in the public eye, more and more people want to become drag queens, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that also means the barrier to entry and kind of uh, the bar for what good drag is keeps yeah. going up. Uh, and I, I remember watching um, the finale of, uh, uh, I think it's 14, Gomic season. Uh, and her finale looks, somebody said she paid more for those than the grand prize would have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I I have no concept of what drag costs. Uh, I know it's a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. a, a human unit, that's human hair that costs a ton of money. Uh, and <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. As I'm sitting on like five. <laughs> right, yeah. So it's... You can, drag strikes me as one of those things and, you know, I'm a media person, so photography is the same thing. You can spend as much as you mm-hmm. want on looks, um, but I feel like that could be kind of intimidating for somebody who might want to dive into it. Uh, is there a way to keep drag accessible to people uh, and to, you know, allow those who might not have as many resources to, like, dive into this world? Oh, absolutely. I think that the perception that good drag is expensive is bullshit. Mm. Um, drag... In the most simple way to explain it, it's like art. You know what I'm saying? It's subjective. But also, like, sometimes the most expensive paintings are the most simplest paintings. You know what I'm saying? Or you may look expensive, but it's not expensive. You know what I'm saying? So the thing is, for me, especially on, like, when I have a weekly every Thursday, you know, you're not expecting me to walk in there and like the most expensive stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes I will walk in there in sweatpants and, you know, so on and so forth. But as long as it looks good, I think that's the thing. I think what people need to realize is style and edit. You know, as long as you look good, it doesn't matter what you're wearing. That's it. You know, it's as simple as that. Yeah. And and I've I've heard that praise before from about uh, different queens on, on Drag Race and in the scene and stuff that like, y- you just have to take the garment, whatever the garment may be, and sell mm-hmm. it. You know, you, yeah. uh, that famous... Um, <laughs> quote about Valentina, like she could walk out there in a diaper and the judges would love her. So it really does go to it's show true. that it's half very of it true. is just portraying yourself uh, in the best light possible, regardless it's of what you're working very with. True. Uh, so I love that take on it that like, you don't have to dump a bunch of cash into it. Exactly. Um, obviously it helps, uh, but it's not, it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, this might be a, uh, uh, farther afield question and a little bit more difficult to answer. Uh, but I'm curious, I've seen, um, I don't know if it's one group or if I've seen like multiple groups, but I've seen a few different videos of um, individuals with disabilities, I think primarily Down syndrome doing drag. Mm-hmm. And there was some pushback that, you know, they shouldn't be doing drag or they don't know what they're doing or um, that, you know, drag isn't for people with disabilities. Uh, and, and I, I also, it crossed my mind of like, how would somebody um, who's maybe in a wheelchair or, you know, has, you know, different disabilities, do, is there room in the drag world for them? What does that look like? Uh, and if there, if it, if not currently, what, how could drag change to accommodate, to open the door wider to people of all different, um, and, and, and I guess that kind of extends to not just drag queens, but drag queens 
kings and 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 mm -hmm. uh you know gender bent drag and things that don't kind of fit inside the box yeah. how do how do we open the door wider and make drag more uh, accessible for everybody i mean i think the thing is drag is already accessible for everyone you know um the thing is what i like to do um at bubble pop which you know my thursday party yeah. at hydrate um is that i introduce this new thing called the halftime show and what i'll do is i'll ask everyday people like i mean i can ask you or you know i mean like just everyday people and i ask them to basically come and do a number and i i do pay them and it's meant to show people that come or just people that they're advertising to like you know to come out and you know support them that anybody can do it it's meant to be fun at the end of the day though it is something you can do professionally it's meant to be fun. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, though I'm taking my job very seriously, it's still something fun. Like, I'm literally putting on a wig. I'm becoming a new person every time I step out the door. And that's something that is accessible to anyone. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So everyone can enjoy it. It doesn't matter, you know, your body type. It doesn't matter if you have a disability. It doesn't matter your skin tone. It doesn't matter what it is. Like, you can do it. As long as you know how to put it, put together an outfit and you know your words. Yeah. Know, your, know your words. Okay, that, <laughs> that I will say. Know your damn words. I don't care. But know your words and you have stage presence, you can do it. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't really have to be sectioned off to one person. Yeah, it's not You know, or serious. type of people, yeah. you know? I, I love that. Because um, I remember making my mom watch Drag Race for the first time, and she she took it so seriously. She's like, well, they, they want to be women, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I was like, this isn't the case, but I, it was the easiest way for her to understand. I was like, mom, they're playing dress mm -hmm. up. Like, that's kind of, you know, for her small town, Midwest, cisgender, yeah. religious brain to understand. I was like... It's just, it's just pretending to be someone else. It's just having yeah. fun. And mm -hmm. and when she started thinking of it that way, she's like, oh, you know, that does make sense. And that does seem fun. Mm -hmm. She was, she was putting it into, you know, a, a different box that was harder for her, under, for, for her to understand. And so I guess when you look at it that way, uh, drag is for everybody, you know, it it, you know, if, if you can be having fun in your living room with a yeah. couple friends and, and putting on wigs, obviously, you know that's on a whole different scale than yeah. you know working professionally and stuff and it there is a line of like diminishing the art because it is yeah. you know you want to be I careful mean, that way but there are some things that i do feel like you know are things that make drag drag mm -hmm. but there are also like the the thing about drag is that what makes it what it is is that it's also not traditionally what it is you know what i mean it's almost kind of like yeah. if you get what i'm trying to say like it's oh you would think oh drag is it's this specific way but also like what makes it good and fun and enjoyable is that there might be somebody doing the complete opposite yeah you know what i'm saying so like really it's such an open and broad interpretation of what it can be that it makes it fun yeah. but at the end of the day it's still in the category of drag. Yeah. Its mm -hmm. beauty is in its diversity. Exactly. You I know, like I said, it's art. It's subjective. Yeah. You know, whatever you feel, you know, because some people come to me and be like, that wasn't good or that's not drag. It's like, or they, to some you, people will yeah. say that, oh, tr you know, trans people shouldn't do drag. It's like, no, they're absolutely allowed to do drag. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, and we're seeing that more on a mainstream level with drag race, you know, when, 
last season had like what, like four yeah. trans contestants, you know what I mean? And then they also had one, um, I think it was UK yeah. as well. So it's like, we're starting to see that more in a mainstream level, but it's always been there in the clubs. Yeah. And I, I, I love that Carrie Coley meme of like Thanos. Uh, right. With, with the, every, all the soul stones yes. or whatever. Uh, that killed me. We're, we're wrapping up time here shortly. Um, mm-hmm. Any final words you want to impart to listeners who maybe aren't familiar with drag um, or if they are familiar with drag, bottom line, things you want to send home with somebody is kind of the the moral of the story of this episode. Here. Yeah, um, I would say two things when it comes to drag. Um, the first thing is have fun. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a lot of people get so caught up in like maybe their local scene drama or they get caught up in maybe looking at TV or Drag Race, which is a lot of starting point for a lot of kids this generation. Uh, they look at what they don't have compared to what everybody else has. And it's like, realize that's something that comes to you over time. You know, like I didn't think that I was the prettiest to begin with, but over time it came to me. I was like, oh shit, I am pretty. You know what I'm saying? Like (laughs) it it took time to get used to that, but I also had fun along the way and I experimented. Um, So that's something I would say is have fun with it. Trust the process. Please trust the process. Too many of y'all expect to have overnight fame in Mm -hmm. the span of a month. No, trust the process. It took some time to get here. Uh, though lucky for me, I had the good people in my corner very yeah, early yeah, on. Yeah. However, you know that. But also, the second thing I want to say is, and this might be, um, it might be a little shady. I hope it's not shady, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Is that um, though? Drag is for everyone, and everyone should do it and enjoy it. Realize that there are still levels to that shit. Okay, if you want to be professional, you are going to have to work a lot harder. You're going to have to take a lot more steps to get into that field um, and realize that for some people, they just they just got to work a little harder to get to that. Okay, not everybody's going to be booked to do, you know, these professional gigs and do it and whatnot. It's a certain caliber of professionalism that you have to learn and work yourself to have um, before you can be taken seriously in that manner, okay? But other than that, work hard. It all goes back to working hard and trust the process. Yeah, I love that. And those, those apply even if you're, you know, not considering diving into drag, yeah. like with any hobby or anything that you're pursuing, you know, you're always welcome to dive into it, but know mm-hmm. that in order to achieve different levels of success or to be in different arenas, yeah. you gotta work hard. Uh, that's true in any job. Um, and I, I also kind of gather from our discussions that, you know, community is important, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, uh, uh, a mother daughter drag relationship or, you know, a group of people you perform with advocating for better, you know, working conditions or to exactly. get somebody out of the way. Like you rely on the people you're close with to kind of build the the life and the, the community that you want. Oh, uh, exactly. And I think, yeah, that's applicable with the, with the queer community as a whole, uh, as mm-hmm. like we kind of talked about as, the government potentially keeps dialing back rights and things. Uh, yeah. Now is more than ever is the time to really utilize the connections we have within our community. Oh, to, absolutely. To change. And so. don't be afraid to ask questions at all. Like I tell you, some people I've like witnessed them get like very down on themselves. They're just like, I want to be in your position. It's just mm-hmm. like, are you doing the right steps to get there? You know what I'm saying? Like you really have to, 
buckle down and do it because it's the same thing I say about singing. Like, I wanted to be a singer at one point, and then I realized, like, I enjoy singing, but it's not for me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can hold a note, but it's not for me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I need more people to realize and wake up. Like, I can do this. I can do this, but I need to put in the works to do this. But I also, maybe maybe this is just fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're the voice of realism. Uh, so many, like, references popping ahead of, like, I think there was a clip of, like, Trixie Katja where it was like, you ever have that person in your life that thinks they're a singer and nobody told them that they can't sing? Oh, just, like, my keep God. pursuing it. Or, like, oh, my God. Uh, the uh, New York Pollard, she's like, somebody lied to her and told her something. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I so I, I, I resonate with that. But I don't know. I think overall drag just continues to be uh, a bright spot in the queer community, mm-hmm. you know, creating... Uh, areas where everybody feels welcome, uh, mm-hmm. bringing the the joy and the fun uh, into things because especially nowadays, it's easy to kind of get lost in the doom and gloom. Yeah. Uh, and drag performers, even during the pandemic, were, you know, working it on video and we still- We were trying. Those were some dark, dark days. <laughs> yeah. I say, quickly, we're kind of upset over, but it's fine. Um, what, what was the pandemic like uh, working drag Ooh. during that time? Ooh. Oh my God. Um, let me get some water for this. Because, <laughs> oh, geez. Um, when it came to drag during the pandemic, it was a lot of digital going on. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of those like Zoom stuff. It was a lot of music videos being made, which was fun. I will say that part was a little fun. It was mm-hmm. nice to be able to express our art in a different way that wasn't like, how am I going to do this in a club? How yeah. am I going to take what's in my mind and put it on a stage? You know what I'm saying? But it was nice to do that, but it was also just very hard because you didn't have that, you know, connection, that interaction yeah. to people the same way that you did before. Um, but it also was just weird because you honestly probably didn't make as much as what you did before. You know, we really grasping at straws to make any type of income from, mm. you know, our jobs, you know, from what we had in the club online. So it was a very um, interesting time. I bet. It was a little yeah. darker for some of us, but... Um, well, I'm, uh, I, for one, am grateful that uh, drag performers were still out there uh, yeah. giving the most online because, mm-hmm. it, you know, you can't be in a club and, you know, feeling the energy, but it, it, mm-hmm. you can imagine, and it got a lot of us through, so yeah. uh, thankful for that. But... Um, yeah, we are, we already did your final words, but I'm just so grateful for you giving the time to kind of sit down and give us kind of a, a drag 101, more or less, um, to kind of educate people. We we have a nationwide audience, and, and some of them might be healthcare professionals that you know drags on the radar, but not don't understand how yeah. it connects to like queer identity and queer community and and all those things. So I appreciate you diving into that. Thank you. So, so where can we find you uh, online and, and uh, your gigs in the city? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. And I guess TikTok. Like, the kids are using TikTok. <laughs> like, I'm 28, sorry about the kids. I'll um, tag you in a TikTok. <laughs> don't worry. Okay. Um, at Chloe Coulet. Uh, that's with a K, like Kardashian. Um, and as well as on Pimmo. Okay, because just because we are back in the clubs does not mean you can send a bitch, a, you know, a tip. Okay, right. it costs. I got two kids, two kids to feed. Okay, <laughs> like one of them is 
somewhere around here. I got two kids to feed, so make sure you go ahead and send me that. But also, um, you can find me in the club. Yeah. I'm at Hydrate every Thursday. And um, other than that, maybe I'm in your local Target in aisle four buying some unmentionables. Who knows? <laughs> I love that. Well, we'll look for you uh, for sure Thursdays at Hydrate, but uh, I can't wait to see where you go in the future because you've thank got you. uh, a bright, bright future ahead of you. So thank, thank you so much you. For, for giving us your time. Thank you. And that has been our episode with Chloe Coulet about drag. If you're interested in seeing her perform live, we mentioned uh, where she performs earlier in the show. And you can always go to www.howardbrown.org. Uh, for more information about gender expression. Thanks for listening.